Welcome, everybody. Filibuster Freestyle. We turned nine today. It's the ninth anniversary show. Wish I could say it was going to be all the bells and whistles, but you turn nine, sometimes no one cares. Um, but it is the anniversary show. We did start this show January, late January 2015, and here we are, late January 2024. Here comes the theme song, and by the way, Go on Instagram and give Pop Sketch Designs a follow at Pop Sketch Designs, or just go to their Etsy store, etsy.com/shop/popsketchdesigns. You will thank me for it. It's always free shipping, great gear. You're gonna love it. Here comes the theme song. Filibuster, filibuster, freestyle, filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. Filibuster, freestyle, filibuster, freestyle. Filibuster, freestyle. It's the filibuster, freestyle. Filibuster, freestyle. All right, theme song is in the books. Five fifty-five in the morning. And like I said, we're nine years old. And it's been a ride. And I've kind of chronicled it the last couple of years. I think between COVID and moving studios during COVID and then, you know, coming out of COVID, refining ourselves and then, you know, making some moves literally in terms of moving again to the suburbs of Boston instead of Boston proper, having a child. You know, you learn that the free time to book guests let alone think of what you want to talk about. It just becomes that much more of a premium. And we've already kind of talked about that. And as I watch the baby monitor, and there you go, you get a cry from the baby monitor on cue. That's what we've been dealing with in kind of year seven and a half till nine. And that's totally okay. Um, we're going to give it a shot to make it to 10 years. After that, I don't know what I can promise. But I assure you that. So what do we want to talk about for the ninth anniversary show. Well, it's a little full circle. So when we started this show, the New England Patriots were about to head to the Super Bowl, I believe Super Bowl 49. They were going to play Seattle, the defending champions. And it was a wild Super Bowl in which the Patriots prevailed on a last-second interception. And when Butler made that interception, it kind of revalidated the New England Patriots as a championship franchise, right? They had their three championships in four years when Bill Belichick started you know, his second year, his fourth year, and his fifth year. They'd won three NFL Super Bowl championships. Tom Brady, same boat, right? They had their perfect season ruined by the Giants. They had... You know, a revenge attempt against the Giants also ruined. And you just wonder, is, is Tom Brady, is Bill Belichick, are the Patriots ever going to win another Super Bowl? And Super Bowl 49, which literally was about to happen, I think when we were like in week one or two of this podcast, nine years ago. Winning that game started the Patriots on a run of going back to the AFC Championship game pretty much every year for like a five, six, seven, whatever year run it was. But they also, you know, they won Super Bowl 49, they won Super Bowl 51, they lost Super Bowl 52, but went, and then they won Super Bowl 53. And that was the culmination of, you know, an 18-year run or whatever it was at the time. But it was a revalidation 
that Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and crew could not only still get it done, but could still get it done for a period of time in which they were either going to win or come in second place, certainly be top four every year, pencil it in. And so nine years later, we're at a very interesting crossroads in that Patriots parted ways with Tom Brady a few years ago. He had, what, two, three years left in the tank, including his first year winning a Super Bowl. And in that time, Bill Belichick's teams only made the playoffs once and got annihilated in 2021 by the Buffalo Bills and then bottomed out here this year during the 23 season and now the 24 playoffs, which the Patriots were long since eliminated from. Patriots are the third worst record in the league. Patriots are picking third in the draft. Patriots part ways with Bill Belichick. And you're at this crossroads in which he clearly, as a general manager, selector of talent, selector of offensive coaches especially, to to run that side of the ball for him, was in a free fall, or at least on a very steep decline. And so now we're sitting here, and the coaching carousel is beginning to stop spinning. Beginning to stop spinning, yes. And uh, fake bad end of the week? I don't know. Beginning to stop spinning is probably more of an album name fake album name of the week. But as the carousel begins to stop, you know, the Raiders go in-house, promote their interim head coach, Antonio Pierce. It makes sense they wouldn't go near Bill. Josh McDaniels just didn't work out there. One of Bill's disciples. You look at the Chargers deciding to go with Jim Harbaugh. I think it's a great hire. Um, that, to me, of the teams that did have openings was the one that I thought Bill actually should go to if he just wants to coach no matter what in 2024 because they've got the quarterback, Justin Herbert. And it's really a nothing-to-lose situation because that, that franchise hasn't been able to get it right for a while. You see the Seahawks still haven't picked anybody. You see the Cowboys don't open things up. The Eagles don't open things up. The Eagles probably right move to give Sirianni another chance overall. Cowboys can't believe they're giving Mike McCarthy another chance. Nothing against Mike McCarthy. I just think you know what you got, and it's not enough to get over the hump, and you're fairly close talent-wise. And someone like Bill Belichick would be exactly who you could bring in. And I say that because we see this in the NBA all the time. We just had a team in the Milwaukee Bucks fire a coach who was like, 30 wins, 13 losses, or something of that nature. Adrian Griffin, in their first 43 games, second place in the conference, and things weren't right, and they made a move, and they bring in Doc River, Doc Rivers, excuse me, and Doc Rivers has won one NBA championship back in 2008 with the Boston Celtics. He's also been with not only the Celtics, but the Clippers and the 76ers, and he was with the Magic before the Celtics, and he's kind of also become known for being in the playoffs and blowing 3-1 leads. Not fair or unfair, but true. And you look at, and again, Doc Rivers is an example of a guy who, he hasn't been to the top of the mountain since 2008. But he's still a hot commodity. And you can say he did a pretty good job with the Sixers the whole time he was there, including last year. Had some difficulties with players like James Harden and others. But Doc was taking like six months off. Or it's going to take a year off plus. 
and then he becomes a hot coaching commodity. If you look at the NFL, you know, John Gruden proved everybody wrong, stayed out too long, but he was the hot commodity for years and years and years, and then it finally trailed off, and then the Raiders made an inexplicable move to hire him. didn't go well. Bill Cowher of the Steelers did the opposite. Bill Cowher has stayed retired. He's now finally not in every single offseason carousel coaching rumor. But for a while there, the guy in the studio was way hotter than any of the guys who were available who were in the league. And Cowher also stayed out too long. He's no longer a candidate, and it sounds like he never wanted to coach again. He's making great money. He's on TV. He's famous. He lives a good life. The hours are better. Why not? But I bring that up because you're still going to Bill Belichick. Six Super Bowls as a head coach. I believe two more with the Giants as a coordinator. Went to several more, three more with the Patriots. The guy's been in the Super Bowl, I think, 11 times. Eight wins as an assistant and head coach. And people are staying away from him. Now, I don't think he wanted the Chargers job. I think if the Cowboys job had opened up, he would have taken it. But then you got this weird situation with Atlanta, which is where I want to go. As Charlotte opens up and uh, wakes up, excuse me, and starts talking uh, and opening up and doing a podcast. She doesn't even know that she's on from uh, the baby monitor. Okay, number one, Bob Kraft. You make the move. To go with Gerard Mayo. I'm not saying it's the wrong move. It's a bold move. You have the right to do it. Bill Belichick, the GM, is really who I think we were having trouble with here in New England. Bill Belichick, the offensive coach selector, the offensive staff builder, is who we were having problems with here in New England. Bill Belichick, the defensive coach and the head coach who knows the game and has seen it all. I don't think any of us were having a problem with here in New England. So you go with Mayo, and that's fine, but you've yet to name a general manager, which is probably even worse, because you're basically probably doing it by committee, than having Bill Belichick, who clearly had lost his fastball doing it over the last four or five-plus years. I'm not sure that's better. And so now this is on you, not for hiring Gerard Mayo, but for not hiring GM as we start rolling towards the draft. And even if you name somebody... Between now and the draft, you've just wasted a month of not having a GM unless you've been working the phones behind the scenes and you're about to magically say, here's our GM. So you now own this whole thing and you literally own the team and that's fine. Brings me to the Falcons. So Arthur Blank clearly wanted to make the big splashy hire and get Belichick. His front office people did not want to do that. And when Bill didn't want to relinquish, probably, the control that he had in New England to go somewhere new. Or whatever else the details might have been. It could have been financial. I doubt it. You had a Falcons organization at odds. You had probably a GM as team president or whatever, or player personnel people, front office people, against the owner. And selfishly, those people want to keep their jobs. Belichick comes in, they probably lose their jobs. They certainly get control taken away from their jobs. And it becomes unsatisfying. 
And they probably had just enough leverage to say, well, look at the offensive production the last four years in New England without Brady, and look at the offensive staff since Josh McDaniels left, and look at the back of bad drafting, and do we really, Arthur Blank, owner of the Eagles, excuse me, owner of the Falcons, Falcons, do we really want to give this guy all this control when he just proved that he can't handle it all the place that he's been for a quarter of a century? Touche. And let me qualify this. You have a chance to hire a guy who resume-wise buys everybody in the building cover because if you fail during his tenure, it is his fault. And yeah, you don't want to gamble on the wrong person and you don't want to buy an asset on its way back down. But still, you automatically buy two years of let's see from your fan base and from everybody else. And if Bill still got it, you just set up yourself for a nice little run in which you're probably not in terrible shape when he's done. And if he doesn't have it, you can say, we rolled the dice on the greatest coach ever, certainly the greatest coach of the Super Bowl era, which basically means ever, and it didn't work out, but we had to try it. But you didn't do that. You interviewed him twice, couldn't get there, and then you went with Raheem Morris. Now, let me stop with it. Stop on the Bill Belichick train for a second and say, I'm super happy for Raheem Morris. I think he got done dirty in his first coaching job. He's clearly proven to be an excellent defensive coordinator. He clearly has proven, you know, the second time you get to do something, you typically do it a lot better. Bill Belichick's a perfect example. He did not have a great career in Cleveland with the Browns, spent some more time as a coordinator with the Patriots and Jets, came back to the Patriots, the rest is history. So if you want to actually look at Bill Belichick's arc, you could say Raheem Morris, who's already been a head coach once and who I think had an incredibly short leash and was probably fired way too early when he was fired. It's a nice second chance for him that he's earned that I'm happy for him to have. So what I'm about to say has nothing to do with Raheem Morris. It is great that he got hired, period, for himself, for the future of the league, all of it. But now Arthur Blank... And Fontenot, the guy in the front office, and the other guy whose name's been coming up a lot, the guys who didn't want Bill. If Raheem Morris works out, you look like geniuses. If he doesn't, y'all are going to lose your jobs, potentially before Raheem Morris does. And Arthur Blank is the owner. You own the place, so it's on you. But what you just showed everybody is that you can be swayed by the people you hired which is a good thing if this works out or if Belichick doesn't work out somewhere else eventually. But it's a bad thing if, one, this doesn't work out, or two, Belichick goes somewhere else, whether it be to the Seahawks this year or somewhere else next year, and kills it. And then you're going to feel like Bill Belichick felt when he sent Tom Brady or let Tom Brady go to Tampa and Tom Brady wins number seven without Bill. So I think Bill's eating a lot of humble pie. I have no problem with the Falcons deciding they want to go in their own direction. I think it's wonderful that Raheem Morris, the person, and Raheem Morris, the candidate, in terms of didn't get a fair shake the first time he was a head coach, worked his way back to a chance to do it, gets a chance. That's literally the chance that Bill Belichick got with the Patriots after not having the best Browns experience as the head coach. So I think this is wonderful for Raheem Morris. Good for the Falcons. 
But those guys who lobbied so hard to keep their jobs and keep power when Bill Belichick would have discarded you most likely or at least put you in a corner and said, yeah, you're the general manager. Don't talk to me. Now this whole thing is on you. You were the guys who convinced Arthur Blank to pass on the greatest coach of all time. And again, wonderful for Raheem Morris. I think he'll do well. But front office guys in Falcons land. Bullseye is on you. Not only if Raheem doesn't work out, and I actually think maybe he'll do a great job, but if Bill goes somewhere else and wins the Super Bowl, Falcons fans will be asking what if forever, unless the Falcons win a Super Bowl before Bill Belichick does, which they might, which they absolutely might. So congrats to all the coaches who've gotten jobs, including Raheem Morris, and that's dead serious. Tongue-in-cheek congrats to the Cowboys for deciding to run it back one more time with Mike McCarthy. You could have had Bill Belichick, and I think in that situation, it probably would have been a no-brainer that you would have made a conference championship for the first time in like 30 years, and you would have maybe made the Super Bowl, and you might have even won the damn thing. So honestly, not an indictment on the Falcons. In fact, it's wonderful that they decided to do what they decided to do and decided to stick to their guns, that they have a plan, and build it and fit in. But like the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy have to live with staying together another year when you could have had Bill Belichick, I will say that going to the Falcons for Bill Belichick probably wasn't the move. And so if anything, the Falcons might have done him a favor because I do think that was the worst spot to go to quarterback-wise of pretty much any of the positions that were open. So the Falcons might have done Bill a favor. Bill might have realized he didn't want it. Whatever happened, happened. But it is on their front office the way that it is on the Cowboys' front office. But the problem for, and the way it's on the Patriots' front office now, but the problem for both the Cowboys, and it's been going on for 30 years since Jerry Jones ran Jimmy Johnson out of town, problem for both the Cowboys, and I know he got that one Super Bowl with Barry Switzer, but that was still Jimmy's team. The infrastructure won that one. Patriots, the newest example, if the Crafts are going to become the Joneses and the Crafts are going to try to run the football operation, getting rid of Bill, not hiring a GM, all of it, that's on you. But you own the team. And the Cowboys, that's on Jerry and his sons and daughters and whoever else in the Jones family runs the team. But that's okay. They own the team. For the Falcons guys, if you convinced Arthur Blank not to give Bill whatever he wanted to come, that's on you and you don't own the team. And that's the whole point. Happy ninth anniversary, everybody. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if Bill ends up anywhere this year. And if he doesn't, we'll see what he does. I know he's got literally a viral invite from Bill Simmons to be on The Ringer next year, which would be fascinating. I think he'd be fascinating in the media in general. It'd be ironic as hell because of how he treated the media, especially after he got some street cred with those first three Super Bowls in four years. So uh, we'll see. But anyway, thanks for the nine years. Um, I'd love to promise nine more. I'm going to promise one more. I'm going to get to 10. We'll see who we are then. Take care.